Ready to maximize your travel and casino experience from both sides of the pond? From airline miles, hotel points, and loyalty programs to living in the lap of luxury in a Las Vegas casino, you'll find all of the knowledge you need to travel in style. Welcome to ZorkCast, powered by Travel Zork, helping you travel smarter, gamble smarter, and maximize your adventures. Now, please welcome the hosts of ZorkCast, Michael Mason Traeger, and everyone's favorite Brit, Steve White. Hello, and welcome back to ZorkCast. Today, we have a very interesting and special guest, and we're diving into one of the topics that we often try to stay away from, which is COVID. But now that Steve has managed to get to Vegas after his long hiatus and to ZorkFest and get home, yes. we feel a little bit more comfortable talking about COVID. So with us today is Chris Sloan, and he is the president and chief creative officer of 2C Creative, and his bio is amazing because so much of what he does I love, in addition to the fact that he is the ultimate AV geek. But I love the part where, you know, in his bio that talks about the expression of art imitates life is especially true for Chris Sloan, a creative visionary who has woven his passion for living into every facet of his career from adventure and travel to media and aviation. And he is quite the storyteller. So Chris, thank you for joining us today. Thank you. It's fun to be here. That bio makes me cringe almost a little bit. (laughs) I hear it read out loud, but thank you. It's fun. I just, I, I love so many of the things that you do. Obviously, the whole AV geek world is wonderful. And hopefully we'll touch a little bit on that, you know, towards the end of the episode. In addition today, we're going to have a brief casino in history moment where I'm going to talk about locations lost and locations found. I made that up. It probably doesn't make a lot of sense. Maybe you could guess what property that has to do with. And the final bits today will be by Steve, which it always is. And he's just going to be talking about the positive points of the changes with regard to MGM rewards, which is the new MGM program. So we get rid of MGM M Life or MGM MILF. Though <laughs> I never called it that at the start of, February. of course you, Of course you didn't call it that, Michael. <laughs> I never called it that. You think that's why they changed it from M Life to MGM Rewards? I think they changed it because M Life just sucked as a name, but there we go. MGM yeah, Rewards isn't really that creative either that's that's true so so the title of this episode is is chris and his caribbean covid adventure and around the festive holiday season this year chris took his family to saint lucia on what seemed to be what would be a relatively ordinary caribbean vacation and things turned out a little bit different. So, Chris, maybe give us a little bit of background on this trip and your travel to St. Lucia. Well, it was a trip we won in a charity auction and to an all-inclusive resort. And I didn't realize that all-inclusive was going to also include COVID. So, <laughs> um, and I didn't realize we were going to be staying in a hotel that was kind of tantamount to faulty towers to begin with. So it just, you know, in retrospect, it was an absolutely brilliant idea. <laughs> so I was I was going to say Caribbean COVID adventure sounds like a really bad Disneyland ride. It does, right? I was like trying to see how much alliteration we could hang off. I was like, 
Caribbean COVID quarantine quagmire. We were like, how far can we take this thing? <laughs> you know, you, you, when you're under house arrest, a lot you've got a lot of time to come up with stupid titles and whimsical phrasing. Did you ever imagine something like this could happen? So just to give a little bit of background, we're going to link to the article so you can get more background about that, the article from TPG. So you got on your vacation, you got to the resort, and everything was sort of fine. You were doing what people do at resorts in the Caribbean for a week, correct? Yeah, we were eating a lot, wallowing on the beach like whales and, you know, and just doing our vacation thing. And, you know, I traveled in the last two years still very extensively. We'd taken all precautions, you know, being double boosted, vaxxed, waxed, all the <laughs> checking every box, masked. You know, we live in Florida, which if you believe the what the government of Florida says, we never had COVID here. We don't really have a COVID problem. <laughs> so, you know, so there's what? COVID Florida? What? Florida? So, uh, you know, I think it was a little bit naive, but, you know, it was one of those big family events where we had my wife's and her, my in-laws come and we planned this and we really had to use it or lose it. And so everybody else was concerned and I was the naive idiot who really wasn't. And maybe I was in denial. And really it comes down to the fact that uh, we, we followed the, the obviously all the rules and we were tested 24 hours before departure. We landed and my son got a, a bit of a, a cold. It was fairly a pretty strong cold. And he's 12. And he he loved it because, of course, what does that mean? That means a lot of Fortnite and YouTube. So he was happy. <laughs> <laughs> and then I kind of, and then I, a day in, I got the sniffles and I, you know, if I get a, I haven't really been sick a lot during COVID cause you know, for some reason, but, and been, we've been blessed, but I, I got a little bit of a cold, but I kind of just shrugged it off, but it, cause it was so minor and maybe that was denial because once the day before departure happened, I was like, you know, well, that was so mild compared to cold I normally got, that might be a problem. I really hope that's not a problem. And Sure enough, I get the uh, the dreaded phone call, which is my son says, you know, the hotel manager has called. He need you need to stay in your room and uh, wait for the instructions, and please return his call immediately. I was like, I know where this is going. I know where this is going to be going for the next thirteen days. So wow. So they so so basically they have a testing procedure before you leave the resort. So you got tested when you got onto the island and when you went to the resort. Did you quarantine? Oh no, we were we got tested at the St. Lucia requires that you get tested. Before you come to St. Lucia, okay. 24 hours. So once we were tested and we had passed, you know, we immediately got those results. So we, we did not have to retest once we got the island. But prior okay. to departure, the U.S. requires it. And also St. Lucia requires it. And I, frankly, we knew we were walking into a place where they mean business. Because when you get off the plane in St. Lucia, you have a special channel before you get to customs, which is a, basically a shed with people in hazmat suits taking temperatures, giving random tests, and interrogating you. So it... And telling you what the rules were. So we felt it might be challenging to get out. And regardless of what the CDC says, St. Lucia recognizes WHO. And you're not leaving your room or your hotel. You're going to be watched. You're going to be have multiple appointments and visits. You're going to get calls to make sure you don't try to, you know, to a plot in a Mission Impossible like escape. Because <laughs> I guess that's what people from Florida are not trusted. But we would never do that. What type of... Bed. What type of test did you have to take to go over there? Was it a PCR or an antigen? Or it was an antigen to go there, um, right. and then once we to depart, it was an a, it was first a uh, antigen, then it was a PCR to confirm. It. The next day, they said we're going to run it and see if it's a false positive, and then and my, by the way, my family had to do this as well. They were all quarantined yeah. with. Them. 
Because the danger on those PCR tests, or certainly what they tell us over here, is that you can test positive for up to 90 days after you've had a negative result, too. And that's exactly what happened, yes. <laughs> God. Wow. So you so you basically you basically had to quarantine at this resort. And I know you talked a little bit about, you know, the extensive processes that they had with people coming to the room, testing you every day, delivering room service. But were you basically just stuck in your resort accommodations? Were you able to go outside to some areas or how did this, so how did this piece, you weren't like deathly ill or anything. So you were, you basically had a lot of days. I saw you, you were really smart and you brought games, I think like Rummy Rummy Cub and things like that. Thank goodness. But like, so what was your, what was your ordinary day like in 13 days. I can't even imagine. I don't think I've taken a 13-day vacation with my wife in the last 20 years, so I can't imagine being quarantined for 13 days. Well, we technically weren't. I mean, we weren't. It's, again, under the bucket list of confusion. And again, I just want to preface this. We're we're blessed. Don't cry for us, Argentina. You know, know, nobody. we were in a nice place when this happened. I mean, so kind of backing up, I mean, first I want to do say that at the resort, what I was impressed with is in St. Lucia, even though it's an, an island that has very low vaccination rates, low acceptance, only about 25% of the population, if you're in the hospitality industry, in your taxis, you are. it is mandatory to be vaccinated. And even walking around the resort, you if you're approaching a bar, entering a restaurant, approaching water sports, approaching anybody, you're required to have that mask on. They will not serve you, and they, they will ask you to back, off, back away. And so they, they do take it seriously to their credit. So... For us, you know, being the neurotic Jew, something maybe you can relate to. Absolutely, <laughs> I'm trying to teach. I'm trying to teach Steve about that, and Steve's learning more about Judaism slowly. But it's it's taken me a while for him to. Mot osmosis is a good thing. Welcome. <laughs> what I would say is, I always I'm a person who travels with like extra chargers for my charger, and I did bring extra clothes. I always have a sneaking suspicion for books and board games, and having twelve audibles and everything downloaded that there could be a problem if you get stuck somewhere. <laughs> So I do preface it with with this. And I we were just so just to interrupt for a moment, what happened finally was what you've been planning for for the last 30 years. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you nailed it. I hey, mean, it could have been could have been worse too. I mean, you got stuck somewhere half decent. I mean, here's the, here's, the, here's the lunacy of this is that we're going to for our spring break, we're going to we wanted to go to Iceland to see the Northern Lights. We've been there in the summer, we've never seen the Northern Lights. And I was like, you know what, we could get stuck there. God only knows what COVID's <laughs> going to be doing. So we're going to switch that to Alaska. And we planned that well before St. Louis. So we should have used that line of thinking because we live in Miami and half the time in Key West, it's not like we need to leave. We should have used that line of thinking and not done something as brazenly stupid as what we did. And that's all on me. <laughs> and but everybody you, else is the one worrying. I'm like, no problem. And I'm the one who gets it. And everybody else is effed. Was that a told you so moment when you sort of got COVID? Was everyone like, well, we told you. We told you this would happen. Yes. <laughs> That's the yes. worst. There was a lot of ribbing. I mean, my, my wife and son really took it really well. You know, and if you're an introvert, it's paradise anyway. They they weren't sweating unless we were going to miss school. But, but yeah, I mean, it was a really interesting experience. And, you know, as far as the protocol, we were in a first floor balcony. Not in the balcony, just a patio right near the pool. And when that happened... You know, they were they really kind of stressed that, you know, you should you cannot go outside. I mean, like I need to exercise, get some fresh air. They're like, you need to stay. I was like, can I stay in the patio? Can I use a little grass area behind the middle of the night that you can watch me escort? No, 
you really need to stay in that room. We really don't even want you cracking the door. Await further instructions. And then I'm like, okay, is there any chance of us moving to the COVID ward on the fourth floor? And they so they did that. So they said St. Lucia rules. They gave us literally a Talmudic handbook of you're effed by COVID. Here's what you need to do. <laughs> and, and one of the things said is you, if you were on a first floor, you were not allowed outside. So if you were on a balcony and you can be distant, then you, so we, we got a, a night transfer under cloak and dagger, cover of darkness <laughs> in a golf cart. <laughs> we walk and we were transferred up to the fourth level of a junior suite. So I could kind of try to quarantine away from my family because again, my son and my wife, even though they tested negative, they had to stay too. And so we could stay there and that would allow us onto the patio and be able to get fresh air, but they would not, there were doctors and nurses coming morning and night checking on us. We would get phone calls to make sure the Stasi, I mean, the, uh, the, the resort authorities wanted to make certain that we didn't do something like leave our room and go infect the place. And look, that's to the credit. I'm, I'm making light of it, but they, I respect their protocols. And we, of course, we're going to respect that. We're guests in their nation. Yeah. Does the balcony room count as an upgrade? <laughs> and, and they were bringing you and so they brought you food oh, they, brought, they brought you food every day they brought you wine and cognac yes. so i mean that's i'm not you know i saw the cognac part also my favorite part was they let you get kentucky fried chicken and that had to be a highlight of the trip because you don't regularly get kentucky fried chicken right i mean because that's uh at least with my wife you can't get kentucky fried chicken. well you're bojangles now because you're in north carolina <laughs> that's right but the fact that you got it i'm sure your son was happy the fact that you got kentucky fried chicken and by the way kentucky fried chicken pairs wonderfully with non-vintage champagne if really ever if you ever yeah champagne and fried chicken oh my god it's just a marvelous combination. It it really is. I mean, it it just works wonderfully. Kind of chemistry. How do you discover something like that? You know, Michael has ha- a fried chicken problem. Basically, oh, yeah, it's like, his, it's like his drug problem. It's fried chicken. It, it is. It's 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 one of my absolute loves. Well, and there's you, know, act- you know that in the Caribbean, people are like, well, what's the official fruit? Is it jerk seasoning? Is it is it, you know, Cuban? I'm like, no, the official Kentucky Fried Chicken is the official. That's true Caribbean food. That's every country, every place has multiple KFCs. That's, that's where you need to relocate. No, no, no McDonald's, no Burger King, just KFC. Yeah, KFC is extremely interesting that way. Also, it's really popular in Japan. They have I mean, it on it's, Christmas Day in Japan. That's their, like, Christmas meal. Why I know. I'm not making that up. That's true. Really? Yeah. yeah. No, I, you know, I was talking to somebody about about Kentucky Fried Chicken in Japan recently. It's so it's so interesting to me. And actually, this morning, I was on another like foodie podcast, and, and there was a flavor profile. And maybe uh, this is totally going off on a tangent, but but they Kentucky Fried Chicken used to have a barbecued version of their fried chicken in the late 70s to 80s. It was and it had a very interesting flavor profile, which I still have stuck in my head. And I wish it was still available again. And if you, I, I tried researching like how they made the barbecue because it was like fried and barbecue at the same time. That really sounds pretty good, actually. That's joy. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's, that's definitely joy. So did you test again? So the 13 the day period was a predefined period of time. Like they said, if you come back positive, no matter what other tests we do, no matter whatever the situation is, you need to be quarantined for 13 days. Is that yeah, how pro- the rule strictly interpreted is, is you are, it's different for the person with contact and, and the person who is the uh, the carrier. So in my case, 
I had to be, what they do is they interview you and you need to be honest. And, but you also need to be aware that you're being interviewed. And they, they were, they were like, when did these symptoms begin? When did they end? And so basically in my case, it was, it's, it's, if you're asymptomatic, it's, it's, it'd be like 10 days from essentially the test, the diagnosis, the positive return. But if you're, if you're displaying symptoms, then it's 13 days from the commencing of the symptoms, as long as you are symptom free. So they back timed, like almost gave me credit for good behavior. As I said, I've had symptoms this many days before, like five days before they dissipated at this point, which is true. And they, they come in in full hazmat suits and take your temperature and observe you and ask a lot of questions and listen for a sneeze or an errant cough. And so it's 13 days. So in that case, for me, it was going to, from the time we were alerted to it, it was going to be, I had another eight days to go on my sentence and my wife and son were, would be able to leave seven. And as you pointed out the test, they would be, the stress, the stressor was, is as you said about the PCR, is that that was going to still come indicate positive. So my process would be no matter what I could leave that morning, I would receive a letter of recovery from the ministry. And that would be enough to depart the country and for the airline to accept it, regardless of how the test turned out. And they did tests and it did, as you said, pointed out, you know, Steve came back positive. In my wife and son's case, not, this was the scary part is if they came back positive. I was um, just thinking what you were about to say. To I think. <laughs> and oh it was going to be another, it was that, then it was going to be another, that was going to be, I think, was that 10? That Well, because they were asymptomatic, that would have been 10 days 10 days, which of course, and, and, and then it would have been stressed that I need to, I need to leave the country and, or certainly be in another room period quarantined. So that would have been like, talk about the frust, the chat, the nice thing is this happened over Christmas. So we only missed a couple of days of school, but if you start missing, you know, work and school and you're pushing 10 days. So that was the real scary stressor. So fortunately they came back negative and they got to say sayonara. This is a beautiful Island. that's never looked better than in my rear view mirror. And I had would you to, go, would you go uh, back? Would I go back? <laughs> I think that's tempting fate. It was really beautiful. I mean, I, I would like to go back. I mean, I do want to say that the people that you feel really bad about are people that get like land in there one or two days and then they never get their vacation. We had our vacation. I was charmed by the island. I would go back. But I mean, you know, it's funny when we got to the airport, there was another there was a little COVID line. And everybody, other people exchanging their COVID stories. And man, those, I, I thought we got off lucky compared to to a couple. One, the woman standing in front of me was a crazy story. Ever. She's like, yeah, my son, we all got cleared for COVID. And the morning of our departure, we're all leaving, but we don't leave in a late flight. I'm going back to Wisconsin. I'm changing like three different airports. And my son gets stung by a stingray. So we've got to go to the hospital. And to go in the hospital, you take another COVID test and Somehow between the night before and the morning at the beach, we got uh-huh. to the mom had to stay. The dad and the kid, they were all sent home. And then the other kid who was at the stingray needed to stay in the hospital overnight and get the hell out of Dodge. But he's like 14, had to change plane to go through customs by himself. So this is the problem. You fly overseas, you are really, you're a myriad of regulations that are contradictory and not synthesized and anything can happen. You're you're relinquishing control, and I think that was a wake up call. I'm I'm wow. also wondering, did you have like travel insurance to cover this? Did you have to pay? What are the financial implications of getting stuck for someone if if they do get stuck? Well, I'll tell you, I mean, if you want a, a nice ocean suite uh, place with room service and all inclusive resort in San St. Lucia, I mean, get sick by all means because they do give you a COVID discount. 
(laughs) (laughs) So what happened was in this case, we had travel insurance through our Amex card for trip interruption for for the airplane, but we did not have a COVID policy and really a COVID policy to cover this extent. I mean, it's extraordinarily expensive. And so Mm -hmm. we had to shell out, this was about $4,000 over full freight, which included the the all-inclusive resort. I thought it was really cute when they charged us a resort fee that, of course, we couldn't use. I thought that was really cute. But they did give us 50% off to their credit. They were very, very nice. They did give us 50% off in the high season. and But we also had to pay for the tests as well. Not just the tests and the antigens are 75, the PCRs are 200. So we had to pay another 1000 So our healthcare provider will accept for the medical services. And by the way, if we would have declined the hotel and just said, we can't afford this or we're, F, we're not going to do it. Or they do have an option, which is you can go stay in the renovated hospital, which is what they also offer to locals, the same rate, which is $95 per person a day. And now so imagine that burden on yeah. a local person. So, yeah, yes, I mean, it was not free. But, you know, the best part about it is being an airline, American Airlines Executive Platinum. You can redeposit those miles and make those changes without any cost. And that was the main reason I booked it on miles was just because, just in case, yeah, and this and this lies the happiest person to ever get on an American Airlines flight in St. Lucia <laughs> <laughs> is right here on this podcast. I know, right? It's like put me in that nasty Oasis cabin, give me that twenty-nine inch seat plastic <laughs> cabin, and give me some surly service and some water, and I'll be I'm happy as a clam. <laughs> you know, I, I think it's you know American Airlines is truly the airline that we love to hate. Sometimes did the flight leave on time. Wow. Was it was it a seven thirty seven max or a dash eight hundred? Oh, so you're saying I was real how much fate does one want to (laughs) tempt? And this is a good this is a good entry. I actually did not look I actually did not want to know. I think I tried to avoid looking. So let's 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 pivot a little bit to you know your lifelong love of aviation and tell us a little bit about Airways magazine the passion projects that you're chasing, what your favorite airline experiences are, how your experience have been with American Airlines lately. And actually, I I have a I have more good things to say lately about American Airlines than than bad things to say. So I think that's a we're both uh Steve and I, well I'm one world emerald from British Airways still. I I still have because they extended my status. So I'm eventually going to have to decide what I want to do with it. Steve is One World Emerald also from from British Airways. I loved the whole first wing thing at London Heathrow, living in London before we came back to the States. I'm super impressed by a lot of things that American Airlines has done. And I'm baffled by some of the other things they do. But I have to say, the whole Miami experience and flagship lounge and everything that oh, you have wow. in Miami is like, I mean, wow. You like, on Facebook. I was, yeah, I, was, I thought that was really, I was like, wow, flagship lounge flying to Charlotte. Something, yeah. something right in status. Well, because that's the brilliance of if you're a one world, if you're a one world elite from a foreign airline, yeah. We get even One World Sapphire gets access to the flagship lounge. <laughs> if not you're a U.S. customer, right? Which sort of makes sense because there are too many U.S. customers. So then you would have too many people in the flagship lounge. Because I always thought the 
the reasoning behind it is like how many British Airways Executive Club Golds are going to be flying, you know, heavily domestic routes. But, you know, I fall into that little loophole. So we've been having a great time. So every time we, you know, jet down to Miami on Advantage Award tickets for 12,000 or 14,000 miles or $120 tickets, we've got this wonderful lounge that we go to on the way home. So I'm so impressed by that. But yet I'm also sort of baffled about some of the other things. I'm really happy American Airlines has glassware again. So all, oh, all is <laughs> so that's I'll say this about American. I mean, I, I have more love and more hate than hate because I grew up in a town which American Airlines dominated. They were the top employer, all my friends, family. I worked up in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and they're the, that's where the worldwide maintenance is for American. They're the largest employer. And so I fell in love with the airline business because of American. And I had my seventh birthday party at that maintenance base and I went back there like seven years ago and to tour it and write a story. And they actually threw like a little birthday party again. Like, so I love America. I'm loyal to it. And it's like family, you know, you bitch about your family (laughs) and they are wildly inconsistent. You know, you've got that cool uncle who's got it all together. That's like their long haul flagship business. And then you've got that crazy nephew that won't leave the couch that doesn't bathe. And that might be the American Airlines main cabin domestic experience. So they really can be. <laughs> I love that. Bleeding, right. And they can be a complete train wreck. And yet, you know, Still. and if you're Miami, you know, you don't you are a hub captive. And so, you know, as you described the flagship first, I mean, we we had flagship first dinner when we flew over to, uh, to South Africa a few years ago. And it's 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 either going to be. A brilliant experience, or it's going to be desperately setting low expectations for itself and then failing to meet those. It just doesn't kind of, it's never kind of in the middle. But I love American and it's who I fly, you know, 99, 90% of the time. And so in Charlotte, you're, you're, you're even in worse shape than I am. You really have no choice. Yeah. No, no, it is. But you know what? It's, it's a wonderful, it's a wonderful airport and they've, they're completing some great renovations. And the fact that I'm in uptown Charlotte and I can be in the airport to the airport in 12 to 15 minutes and literally time flights beautifully. You know, American Airlines, though, in some ways, it's a little bit about the way people feel about British Airways sometimes. It's quite similar. I mean, there's a lot of passion when it comes to British Airways. British Airways does some brilliant things. The whole lounge experience for British Airways is brilliant now. The ordering, all the QR code ordering and everything is brilliant. Want another glass of champagne? Just, you know, go on and order it and tell them your table number and they bring it to you. And yet you've got some other things that British Airways does that really make you wonder sometimes. So I think it's, it's would you say that, Steve? It's sort of like that, right? It yeah, could it be is that like that. You said that. Can I just say that? You, you summed it up with BA in America. They evoke some, there's a passion that it doesn't ex- like even if you go on a lot of the other airlines Facebook groups and like frequent flyer American does and British Airways evoke a certain extra level of passion, love and hate on the part of its customers. It's a, and yeah, maybe it's because it's called American. And the other one's called British. I don't know. It's nostalgia too, certainly with British Airways. I think people sort of feel nostalgic when they think <laughs> British Airways and this history behind it and stuff. Chris, tell us a little bit about Airways Magazine. Like for people here, so we've got a crossover. We've got a lot of casino people. We have travel people. We've got miles and points people. But there are probably some people that are not that familiar with Airways Magazine. So I'd love for you to give a little bit of an education or an overview of what you do there. I mean, other than the fact that the pictures are stunning. Well, what I do now at Airways Magazine is I read it. 
and I really enjoy it because, you know, maybe this is a little something in the bio that needs to be exercised, but I, I was a, a longtime fan and began writing for Airways. Actually, my first story ever for Airways was the first flight was being on the inaugural, the first A380. And back in Singapore in 2007, oh my God, I can't believe it's been that long. And so over time, I developed my airline nostalgia website, thearchive.com, which is now thearchive.net. And I transitioned that into Airways Magazine online and really built Airways Mag, you know, the online presence, the digital presence of Airways and uh, partner with Airways Magazine, the print edition. And they did a beautiful job of kind of reinventing print. And we had a, we had a partnership for many years and we chose to, I believe the phrase is remain friends, but go our separate ways. And so what happened is, is they now it's since been sold. It was owned by Enrique Pereira and his team really did a wonderful job of reinventing it. And then, and then, uh, so I now write for a number of different publications, whether it's CNN Travel or the Points Guy at Times or my own airline nostalgia site, uh, thearchive.net or Airliner World. I'm, kind of, I'm their U.S. guy. So, you know, I love kind of, you know, spreading, spreading the love all around and endeavoring in a lot of adventures, but also I'm really into airline analysis and the finance and the business side of it. So it just it kind of depends. But Airways always has a special place in my heart and it's a, a fantastic uh, publication. They've just been sold to actually the company that owns the DFW employees store at the DFW airport. I think it's called Argyle. And uh, so far, you know, it looks like, you know, they're still doing very well. So, but yeah, I'm no longer, I used to be managing editor and senior partner of Airways, but that is, that's been a few couple of years. Okay. So now your main, your main AV geek gig is Archive. Well, the Archive is a passion project that's about 18 years old and it's the world's largest online aviation museum. I mean, you want to total geek out on Cabin, catering, cool. timetables, route maps, uh, airline headquarters. I do try to do everything but plane spotting because there's a million other better places to do that. But it's like you want to see what a terminal looked like in Atlanta. You want to see the British Airways when they were the first airline to introduce a life flat seat, that brochure. I mean, it's it's my personal collection that a lot of people contribute. And it's like it's 800,000 literally. It's an online artifacts. But that's kind of a fun side hustle. My I still, you know, I mean, I have a day job in television and charity. That's my big drivers. But this is, you know, I do a lot of airline journalism reporting for other trades and publications. And, you know, a dog, you know, you want to walk around the neighborhood and pee on as many fire hydrants as you can, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's wonderful. And we'll put links to all these things in the show. I mean, there's just so, there's just so much there, you know, and I mean, I'm just, I'm looking at. I mean, God, you have everything. You even have Spirit Airlines menus, which I, you know, I love one of my favorite, my only real serious collection, which isn't really that serious, is is airline menus. And I have a huge collection oh, really? of TWA first class menus, but I'm all into airline menus. Can, you, uh, can cool. you upload those? We take contributions. Sure, sure. That would be a lot of fun, you know, but that's, uh, we should talk about that because I, I think I have one of the largest collections of TWA first class menus, Royal Ambassador and wow. also Ambassador class, but that's a totally different topic. So, wow, this has been great. We're, we have to wrap up pretty soon, but we have a couple oh. other things. We, yeah, I mean, it's, it's just, this is stuff that I could go on and on about. Uh, a couple of we things. We need to have, we need to have Chris back on. That's the thing now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I didn't, I mean, <laughs> There's a lot of because I think we I would love to have Chris back on to dive into some British Airways stuff and British Airways nostalgia, also American Airlines and also TWA. Those would be those would be areas that I'd love to dive into because there's so much great stuff there. But of course, we try to keep these episodes, you know, sort of 
sort of on point a little bit. Just as a quick commercial break, we like to remind people to check out TravelZorkTravel.com. That's our little boutique travel agency where we book luxury travel for people with a lot of emphasis on Las Vegas, but also a lot of other luxury travel destinations and booking with perks and benefits. Definitely check TravelZorkTravel.com. And today I was a little bit, you know, just to touch on our casino, our casinos and history moment. I was pondering a little bit, and that's why I came up with locations lost and locations found. I was pondering a little bit whenever I mentioned Resorts World, which I'm really sold on Resorts World. I think Steve coined the term is this Cosmo 2.0. I'm going to give you credit for that. I'll take the credit. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Do you definitely get the credit for that? And a lot of the thing that we talk about is, you know, when I mentioned Resorts World, people are like, oh, but that location, you know, it's not a good location. And I keep thinking, but you know, I refer to Resorts World as Stardust sometimes. And I think, but that location really wasn't a bad location. It was just North Strip. I mean, it was a little bit different because you had the new frontier and then you had Stardust, which is now Resorts World. Then you have Circus Circus. And then you also had Riviera, which is gone. And then eventually Sahara. But I think there's just an interesting perception of the location. And what do you think about that, Steve? Like, do you think, is it, uh, have you heard that from people before that they're just turned off by the Resorts World location, which just seems awful odd to me? But I mean, yeah, I've heard it, but I don't really understand it either. I mean, the location doesn't bother me too much. You've got you've got Win and Encore really close by too, and of course Circus Circus, which everybody loves. I think you know. <laughs> I, I always thought the greatest thing about Stardust was the fact that you had New Frontier on one end and Circus Circus on the other end. And there is just so much, if you are a person who likes to wander around and gamble, there is just so much goodness of having, you know, additional not super bougie casinos. And of course, you could get from Encore, the Encore Tower Suites entrance, you could exit there and walk directly across the street to Resorts World and be there literally in like, six minutes. So I don't know. I think it's, and it's also near that really cool place that everybody loves. I just went blank. I, I'm definitely getting old. You about know, the pepper mill? The pepper mill. Thank you, Steve. That's it. So that's right. <laughs> so who knows? I think it's, I'm sort of curious what people think about that, but I mean, it's a little strange. And Steve, you were going to just enlighten us a little bit. We keep coming back to this whole change to MGM re- rewards. Yeah. And, and what do you think? Like, what's your, what's your quick, your quick impression? Well, focusing on the good points this week, maybe we talk about some of the negative ones another week, but focusing on the good points, I think waived resort fees for Golden Above is good. A lot of offers from MGM didn't have resort fees always waived. I never experienced that myself. I always found they were, but some people have said they weren't. So that's a good thing. That's not a bad thing. That's a good hard benefit. And then, but looking at Platinum and above, the annual air travel credit to Vegas for Platinum members, the suite upgrades for up to three nights if you're a Platinum member, the guaranteed late checkout, that's all good. Except think, status match people aren't going to get all those benefits. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Well, that's on the bad, isn't it? We touch, maybe we touch on that another week, but th- that's bad for people that have matched. And it's going to be harder to earn status through spend too. So it's good for gamblers. Maybe not so good for those who have status matched or spent money to get their status. So definitely something that we need to talk a little bit more about. Chris, any impression about Las Vegas? You like Las Vegas? You love Las Vegas? You hate Las Vegas? Las Vegas. Well, my wife is a degenerate gambler and just loves loves all your posts. (laughs) 
Right, she needs to come on the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, get right, Chris. Kick him right. so, yeah. Okay, okay. So, what is your what does your wife play? She plays blackjack and to- and this ridiculous slot machine called Top Dollar. Oh, you know. <laughs> oh, we oh we we could talk for hours about. I think Top Michael Bay want to marry your wife. Now. Really? <laughs> Wherever we go with Top Dollar, and she will put like fully load that thing up with like she would put like gold doubloons and Bitcoin in there if she could. I mean, it's like nothing is halfway. Her very first time she went to Las Vegas, she. Literally won like her first time she ever pulled a slot machine. She won like fifteen hundred dollars. First time. Uh, so it's unfortunately, it's been all downhill since then. So that's why I don't play. I kind of stand back and let her bankrupt us. Well, you know, you have a very wise wife if she likes top dollar. Because how do you like? That's amazing. <laughs> oh, especially, but only double top dollar. Two coin, and I prefer traditional reels. I'm not much of a slot person, but I do. There is something about top dollar, and the greatest thing about top dollar is no matter what you win, even if it's the shittiest bonus in the world, it goes, You're a winner. (laughs) (laughs) You see, what you can do, Chris, your wife wife can bankrupt you through top dollar, you can bankrupt her through COVID trips. So you're all good. (laughs) Hers is much better. But thank you. That's I'm going to send you photos after this of her playing. Of the last, we were in the Bahamas at uh, that resort. Uh, uh, we just went to in November. Bahamar. Yes. Yeah, and we and we literally, which is fabulous, by the way. But I've got many photos of Top Dollar. And look, if Top Dollar goes well, then it's a good night in the Sloan household. You know, not to get per TMI here. So, top Dollar. Top dollars, you know, when you get my age, Top Dollar becomes your ally. Blackjack <laughs> does not become your ally. Oh, I, I don't want to know what happens I, when Top Dollar. My goes son, back. by the way, on his twenty-first birthday, you know all he talks about, like he everything's a get a bet and a gamble. He's like he looks at your your feed because that's the life he wants. He <laughs> wants to go on his twenty-fourth birthday, and he's already told me which casinos and where he wants to go. And we got to work this. This is this is like, good. Oh, guys, I, he's like, I feel I'm really good. bad for your son if he wants to be Michael. <laughs> not alike. He's like another. He's he sees he sees this guy living the freaking high life all over the place. Yeah. Well, this has been great fun. I I can't believe we got to top dollar in the episode. But Chris, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for giving us all of this insight onto what this this whole COVID adventure. Because I was blown away following you on. Facebook. And I said to Steve, okay, now that you've survived coming to the United States and getting back to the UK, I think it would be great to have Chris on because we don't want to have him on. We would we would not have wanted you on before Zorkfest because it would have gotten us too freaked out about Steve <laughs> as it was that we thought he was going to be stuck in the United States forever. We were already planning what suite in Vegas he was going to quarantine. In. Yeah, well, yeah, it would have been terrible. Do they have like a special COVID like high rollers room so you could still play no well, they should do they could have brought some dollar machines up to what me. were they going to do to you do you know <laughs> no you well in the u.s you basically do what you want right i could have just booked into another hotel and they would have said quarantine and i would have said okay and i would have done it because i'm responsible but i bet you there are people that don't well you're very british you also you also like you queue oh of course why would you not 
Yeah, I'll leave you with one final aviation moment, but for the, I did not realize I could use the flagship first check-in yesterday because that's another benefit for BA One World Emeralds. And I had never used it before. And they actually walk you to the front of the security line in front of everyone. It's really sort of magnificent if you like that kind of stuff. It was horribly embarrassing to my wife and you get horrible stares at people. But I never thought that we could use that flagship. But you loved that. That is so cool. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's you know it's like everything else in this world. You learn something new every day. This is wonderful, Chris. Thank you so much for joining us. I'm going to put lots of links in the show notes. Anything you want us to link to, Chris, just email me and I'll put it all in the show notes for people because you've got a lot of stuff going on. And Steve, it's always wonderful to spend some time with you. So it's great. Well, and you, again. of course. And thank you, Chris. Yeah. It's lovely to meet you and have you on. It was lovely yes. to meet you. And, and guys, if you ever can hook up the ultimate ab geek experience, the one I would give anything for, it's not Emirates first class, it's apartments, it's Vegas related. If you air Janet, we all got to somehow get on air Janet. <laughs> okay. This could be an episode. You're going to need to expand, but we're going to leave that to next time. Thank, thank you everyone for joining us. And until next time. You've reached the end of your stay with us on this episode, but we encourage you to visit our website for more resources at TravelZork.com and to continue the conversation on Twitter and Insta at TravelZork and on the ZorkCast Facebook group. Travel smarter, gamble smarter, and maximize your adventures right here on ZorkCast. Until next time, dream big and remember, a dollar won is twice as sweet as a dollar earned. 